Huh? I always seem to be in a, in a hurry a lot. Anyone else in here always seem to be always rushing around? And I don't mean like the Black Friday rushing around that you did where you're plowing through women and children and, and stuff like that. I'm talking about everyday life. Just trying to get from here to there or trying to get this or that done. And you want to know what? One of the things with always being in a hurry is that you seem to miss out on certain things. You know, the time spent rushing around makes us sometimes not appreciate what we have right now in the present because we're always too busy looking ahead, trying to get what we want, what we desire, what we are chasing to achieve. I read an article this week. It was called Regrets in Life. The biggest regret that people have when they look back on their lives is relationships. Time spent with loved ones. You see, they were too busy to appreciate what they had. And they wish they could just go back. They wish that they could change it. They wish that they could redo it somehow, but they can't. Always saying, I'll make it up later. When I get this or that, or when maybe I receive this promotion. But the making it up part never happens. And days turn to months, and then these months turn to years, and these years turn to decades. And decades turn to regret. And the top reasons for divorce, you always have not spending time together. Whatever divorce pool it is, you're always going to find that in there. And if not spending time together is one of the biggest reasons for divorce, and we are all so busy, then it's no wonder the divorce rate in this country is hovering right around 50%. This busyness of life, it can destroy marriages, it can destroy families. At the very least, it keeps your relationships from becoming all that they are capable of being. Do you know families spend eight hours a week together? That's eight hours as an entire family together. And seven out of ten parents say a lot of that time is spent in silence watching TV. Or maybe there's a computer on somebody's lap or the kids are playing video games. The average family visits grandparents six times a year. Hey, we're busy. I mean, we live in a busy society. We have to work. We have to meet agendas. We have to meet deadlines. We have tests that's being studied for. We have school activities with our children, which nowadays sometimes meaning running year-round to play baseball or year-round to play basketball and volleyball. It's no wonder that busyness is our first relationship buster that we're going to talk about today. Busyness. Psalm 39, verse 6 says, All our busy rushing ends in nothing. You see, we get too busy. We prioritize the wrong things. Sometimes when we're working hard or we're running around doing this and that, we're neglecting the people that are closest to us. And then we get tired. And then we get stressed out. And then our relationships suffer because we get grouchy. We start to get short with people that we love. You know, even things we label as positives can be a problem. I mean, you can fill your schedule with too many godly things. You can be doing too many church activities. There's an old saying that says if the devil can't hinder our relationships with God by making us immoral, he'll simply make us too busy. 
So being so busy and always rushing around and always getting in a hurry, it takes a toll on us and we miss out on things that we regret later in life. And you know, sometimes this being in a hurry just costs us little things too. I got married in June. And when we got back from our honeymoon, we was blessed that we was able to buy a house together and move in together. Now, I hate moving. I absolutely hate it. I mean, the physical act of moving is just terrible, but the actual putting away stuff of moving, I think it's just as bad. Because everything's just so cluttery for a while. When we moved in, boxes upon boxes was just being thrown into the garage. Some stuff was being put away, and then the other boxes were just being set in the middle of the garage. The garage looked like one great big storage unit. And I was getting in a hurry because it was driving me nuts. I wanted a clean garage. I feel that a man needs a garage. And I wanted to put my truck in there and my trailer of band equipment. So I start going through stuff. You know, somehow when you move, you find all these things that you forgot you had. You're thinking, if I made it five years without this, I'll probably survive. So I start getting rid of things. I start taking things to the mission. My wife has a rummage cell. She sells a lot of stuff. I pack a lot of stuff in the attic, knowing that as a married man, the rules have changed. And a wife probably doesn't want Peyton Manning fatheads adorning the living room wall. <laughs> Don't know why, but... So little by little, I'm cleaning out the garage. Well, one day I get an email from the church about this fire that took place in Anderson. And this organization had lost everything. And they were in need of kitchen items. They were in need of pots and pans and utensils and everything. So an idea comes into my head. I'm thinking I can clean this stuff out and serve the needs of this organization. I mean, it's amazing sometimes how the mind of a man works, you know. <laughs> so I start going through these boxes and I'm looking at some of the stuff and it's like, well, they probably don't want this, so I throw it away. I take other stuff, I load it up in a box, I take it to the church office. Ta-da, I take it in there and I hand it to Jennifer. A week later, my wife decides to finish unpacking her kitchen stuff from the garage so she can put everything away in the cabinets. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> she says, honey, where's the boxes marked kitchen? You men know what it's like when a woman looks at you and says, really? said, surely you didn't give our kitchen stuff away, right? All of it away? I said, no. I, I threw some of it away as well. <laughs> this marriage is starting out really good. But you see, I got it in a hurry. I got in a hurry and it cost us, or it cost me, actually. But when you're in a hurry, you don't always think right. You don't always act right. And that is just a, a small, very funny little example there, but busyness is definitely a relationship buster. And that's why so many people look back on their lives and they have regret. Here's another relationship buster, listening. Listening. James 1 verse 19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So what does this mean? I mean, what is James telling us here? Now, first off, here's an interesting fact. This is not the James of the 12 disciples, James, that ran with Jesus. 
This was James, the brother of Jesus. And he's saying we need to slow down. He's saying we need to process things a little bit. You know, at first he did not believe in all the things that Jesus was doing. He even challenged him and misunderstood his mission. But later he became very prominent in the early church and a leader in the council of Jerusalem. And he's saying, slow down. Process things a little bit. You know, this whole rush mode that I'm talking about, it leads to mistakes. And you sometimes have to buy new kitchen items. <laughs> but we don't always think clearly, and that leads to problems with relationships. It leads to problems with the way that we interact with others. You know, we hear others, but we don't always hear others. We're not always looking people in the eye when they're talking to us. I mean, I do this all the time, and I am so guilty of this. I may be at the house, and I'm, I'm watching the game, and my kids are saying something. It's like little pieces fly in here and there, and I'm like, yep, okay, uh-huh. Then they're like, well, you said I could do it. I'm like, what? And I think we all do that a lot. Today, coming in here, I guarantee, how's it going? Good. Well, that's good. Or you think they said that's good. You was in a hurry. You was a beeline for the donut. Because you wasn't listening. Because you was in a hurry. We need to learn to listen better. We need to learn to just slow down because that is the key to building relationships. You see, James knew the benefits of processing information. James knew this. We're going to touch on a couple of these. And the first one is listening benefits others. Listening benefits others. Proverbs, which is a book of wise sayings in the Old Testament. The Old Testament being the first half of the Bible. It says this in chapter 18, verse 13. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. You see, the more you sit down with people, the more that you're quick to listen, the more you realize there's a lot of stuff going on with people. There is a lot of things going on in people's lives. And some people just need to be heard. Man, they just need to talk. They just need someone who will really just listen to them. And I mean really listen. Some of you may be going through a huge struggle right now in your life. Maybe this month or this week. And there's healing in words and you need somebody that will listen to you. Man, your marriage is struggling. And maybe it's on the verge of collapsing. Or your finances. Maybe your finances are so bad you don't even know what you're going to do. Or somebody in your family's been diagnosed with something. Man, you need to be heard. You need somebody to be there. You need to talk. Maybe you've lost somebody. Or maybe you feel alone. You know, the holidays are a tough time for some people. This month is a tough time for some people. And they've been dreading it. They need to be heard. Maybe you're back in church after maybe being away for a long time. No matter what the reason, you need to be heard. You see, there's so much that can be gained by listening. And besides the healing of words and the benefiting of others, listening benefits you. Listening benefits you. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 15, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is why you left the church. You learn. 
Am I doing anything that's offensive? Am I doing anything that's turning people away? You know, none of us are perfect. And you learn by listening. You grow by listening. I mean, we may be acting in a hypocritical way. This may be turning someone off or maybe shaping their view of Christians or maybe shaping their view of our church. No one is immune to doing something that they shouldn't be doing because we all have stupid moments. Every one of us do. Sometimes we just don't realize how stupid something is until someone tells us, someone points it out, and we actually take the time to listen. And James says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He's saying, let it sink in. Let, let this stuff digest a little. My wonderful daughter, Courtney, she hacked my Facebook some months back, as some of you may know. <laughs> and she put some comments on there that were granted very funny, but a little inappropriate. And a lady contacted me, thinking that I had posted this stuff. And she let me know how disappointed she was in me for standing up in church and speaking the word of God and then going home and being somebody completely different. I explained to her, in fact, that I do not wear a purple tutu. <laughs> that I did not post those things. That I would not because I agree with what she was saying. She felt bad about it, and, and she was very apologetic. But as I processed it, as I listened, I didn't get angry. I told her I appreciated her being willing to stand up and call me out on something. Say what she thought, because sometimes we need to be called out in a loving way. I mean, I didn't do that stuff, but I've done stuff, and I've said stuff that reflect poorly. You know, this same section in James, if we jump ahead to verse 26, it says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. It's pretty powerful words right there. So I put a passcode on my phone. And I had a talk with my daughter and let her know when she does manage to figure out the passcode, which she did, to hack me with very innocent things from that point on. But the truth is we can all do and we all say things sometimes without even realizing it. You know, sometimes our views, whether your view's right or wrong, it can be damaging to someone else. And you don't realize it until someone tells you and you actually take the time to listen. Not to get mad about it, but to listen. Pastor Chris has called me out plenty of times because of something I said or something I did that didn't represent the kingdom very well. And you know what? I need that because that's how I grow. I need it. In the same way, I've called him out as well. And he's received it well. Believe it or not, breaking news, our pastor is not perfect. <laughs> and that's how he grows when things are pointed out and spoken into his life. It's like that with all of us. And you see these relationship busters, busyness, listening... They not only affect your relationships with family, not only affect your relationships with friends, but more importantly, they affect your relationship with God. Think about it. If you're not spending time with someone, if you're not listening to that someone, how do you expect to understand that person? I mean, how do you expect to grow closer to get the fullness out of that relationship? You see, that's where we're getting at today. 
There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. Nothing. There is nothing more important than that. And it impacts every other thing that you do in your life. You remember the box example Chris had a few weeks ago? If you don't have Christ as that solid foundation, everything else in your life tends to be shaky. And if you're not working on your most important relationship, it's no wonder when other relationships start to fall apart. So how do we strengthen the relationship with God? I mean, what is our part of making sure that we're growing, that we're learning, that we're being shaped, and we're being molded into people that resemble Jesus Christ? How do we do this? First, we have to spend time in community with God. We have to spend time in community with God. Romans 12 verse 5 says, So in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. The word body in this passage means the church. The place where we learn and we grow together. You see, the Bible teaches us to live in community with others through fellowship and through hospitality and through love and through kindness and the willingness to help one another. This is where we lift God up. This is where we glorify Him with song and praise. We don't listen to the music just because Derek sings great, which he does, or because Dan plays some amazing lead guitar, which he does. It's called worship. We do it to have that moment with God, to be thankful, to be in awe at that moment of our Lord and Savior. You see the teachings. The teachings is where we are taught out of the Bible each week. This is where scripture becomes understood and then we're able to apply this to our lives. We learn how much God loves us. We learn what he did for us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us because we're imperfect. We learn we didn't deserve this. We don't earn this by the things that we do. This is the church that we as members, as partners, fund. We tithe to this. We take our first 10% of what we make. And it funds not only the operation of this church, but it funds what Christ is trying to do in our community. The community that we live in, the community that we that our kids go to school in, that we work in, that we worship in. That money is important. Man, we get the opportunity to learn. We get the opportunity to grow in this church together. The truth of God gets spoken into our lives. Man, this is school for me. I learn at this church. I was taught by the people in this church how to put Christ first in my life. Man, I listened and I watched when I was told, this is how a godly man leads his family. You know what? I needed that. I didn't grow up in church. I started going to church when I was 34, 35. I didn't know how a godly man leads his family how he leads his wife, how he leads his kids. I needed that. I didn't know how to read the Bible. I thought it's a book. Start at the beginning. I was like, what? The church gave me a reading plan. I remember taking what was called the discovery course, and it's now called 
next steps. And it's, about, it's a course about doctrine and beliefs. And that was the first time I ever heard of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there thinking, three parts of God? I remember looking over at Pastor Bunch and thinking, note to self, do not drink Kool-Aid with this guy if he offers it to you. Church has to be a priority in our lives. We have to be growing with it. Not just attending, not being a part of it, giving and serving because we, the people in here, we are the church. But you know what? Chris touched on this last week. You can't learn everything you need to know from a Sunday morning service. You can't. If this hour is all you hear of the Word of God each week, it's not nearly enough. It's not. Christianity is, is not about this weekly trip to church. Were you a Christian? I went to church. It's not about that. You see, the key to a deep, meaningful relationship with God is time spent alone with God. It's time spent alone with God. Matthew 6 verse 6 says, but when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What if you saw your wife or husband one day a week for one hour? How strong do you think that relationship would be? But yet a lot of us choose to do that with the most important relationship that we have. The one with our creator. The one who loves us so much more than anybody could ever love us. And we shove God in the corner. We put God over in his little corner and then we take his hand and we pull him out on a Sunday. It's church time, God. Now is our time to spend time together. I mean, sure, sometimes he's pulled out more than that. Maybe if you're struggling with something. Maybe you desire something. God, I want this. Let's have some God time. But then as soon as that storm passes, well, God needs to go back in the corner till Sunday. No one is going to get you or understand you better than God. No one. But you have to get alone from God. There are things that you just can't get from a sermon. There are things that you can't get from other, just other people speaking into your life. There are some things you can only get from God. From being alone. And reading this book. You talk to God. He responds directly to you and you listen. Man, when we listen to people talk, it's their words that we hear, right? These are the words of God. These are God's words right here. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. The words of God. I mean, alone time with God is where we have this personal we have this intimate relationship with God. And it's a relationship that stands forever. These words stand forever. First Peter 1 verses 24 and 25 says, All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the fields. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord Stands forever. It says it stands forever. All men. He's talking about all of us. Comparing our bodies to grass. 
And if you look at Chris Bunch's body, it kind of resembles a blade of grass, now that I think about it. What? You know, you think about it, though. You walk out and you see the grass. You see a flower. How long is that flower going to last? I mean, really. It'll last a little while. It'll look good for a little while if you maybe water it and you take care of it. But it's going to start wilting. And it happens to us. I mean, you may look good right now, but you aren't always going to look that way. And Peter is saying, why fight it? Why fight this? Everything is like a flower. You're going to spring up. You're going to have your glory days, but eventually it's going to be over. There is one thing that lasts. And he says, that's the word of the Lord. He says, the Lord's different than all of that. When you are gone, this will still be here. When everyone in here is gone, this is still going to be here. This here, the Word of God, is timeless. When God said something, when He says something, it's always going to be true. It's not going to be obsolete when we die and we go to heaven. It's still going to be there. Are you people that are spending time with the Word? Are you spending time alone with God? You know, nowadays we have podcasts. Man, we can listen to people from all over the world teach the Word of God, and that's great. It is great. You have access to all kinds of different Christian books and devotionals and videos, and that's great. But they cannot replace this it doesn't replace the Bible don't spend all your time reading books about the Bible read the Bible because they're not going to replace this I mean I read all kinds of spiritual books and I love it they help me they inspire me but they don't take the place of my time with the Bible it can't take the place of that. Man, you have to be alone. You've got to get alone and you've got to just read. Because there's something that happens. There is something that happens between you and God. The Holy Spirit, and it just speaks to you. And you just know at that moment, man, you know that was from Him. This is the good news being preached to you. 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says like a newborn infant that's craving that bottle that's bawling and they're screaming and they're craving that bottle and nothing else will satisfy that baby except for that milk. Peter is saying we should crave the word like that. We should have our Bibles. We should crave this just like that newborn baby craves milk. Man, nothing else can satisfy us like this. Nothing. I mean, you think, oh, this stuff here, that's great. And that stuff over there is pretty good too, but nothing compares to that. Just give me the word. It says, long for this pure spiritual milk. If indeed you have found that the Lord is good, if you have tasted it. You know, in the days of Jesus, the days before Jesus, when Jewish children would begin their schooling, kind of like kindergartners now, but the, the work that they did was the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, the five books of Moses. That is what they learned. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that's the first five books. If you open it, if you take the Bible and start at the beginning, that's the first five books you get. 
And that first day of school, they would set these children down. And they would take honey. Honey was the greatest delicacy of the time. The greatest thing that they had like that was honey. And they would set this scripture down. They'd take honey and put it everywhere. And they'd, these kids would get honey all over their fingers. And they would say, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, they wanted them to know from the get-go that nothing else was as good and as satisfying as the Word of God. Man, like that scripture, crave it now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I mean, do you feel that way with scripture? But have you really tasted it? And I have quiet time. I read and God points out exactly what I need at that moment. Exactly what I'm searching for at that moment. I mean, I may sit down and I may be confused and I may be stressed out or irritated. And God shows me and God teaches me exactly what he wants me to hear and see. You don't get that from church. You don't. You don't get that from other people. That's directly from the source. It's good. And nothing else compares to that. The person that says they get nothing out of this is the person that is not doing this. And that's the truth. It isn't just certain people that God will speak to. It's everyone. It's all of us. But you have to do it. It's alone time with God. You've got to get in that moment. You've got to shut the TV off. You've got to get rid of the phone. We talked about listening. This is the time that you listen to God. Job 33, verse 33 says, Listen to me. Be silent and I will teach you wisdom. You get guidance. Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light for my path. Man, to think that some of you have never had that experience of tasting how great God is. To have never been in an intimate moment away from church with God and with this book. And some people say, yeah, but you teach and you lead Celebrate Recovery. You have to study and read the Word of God and study Scripture. Wrong. I do it because I love it. I love to read and I love to study the Word of God. I'm not a pastor on the pay staff where maybe you would think you're obligated maybe to be able to keep up with things. I volunteer because I love it. I love God. I love having a relationship with God. Man, I can understand why people in other countries, they choose to read this, they choose to teach this, even when they know they could be killed for doing so. It's not even an option to them because they crave it like a newborn craves milk. They have to have this to live. Man, if you're depending on a weekly service, for your God time, your walk with God is not anywhere near where it could be. It's not. And a deep relationship with God doesn't mean that you have everything together. You can't wait until you get it all together because you are never going to have it all together. Never. My wife's uh, pastor at her former church that we still attend once every couple months... He always says, if you act like you have it all together, it's still an act. And that's so true. In 1 Peter, Peter wrote all this stuff. I don't know if everybody knows who Peter is. But do you think that he had it all together? Peter was one of the apostles. He was one of the disciples that actually walked with Jesus. He was the guy that chopped the guy's ear off about some anger issues there. 
He walked on water with Jesus. This is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times during the whole crucifixion and arresting time. And he's scared and he sees what's happening with Jesus and these people recognize him and they say, weren't you with him? And he says, no, absolutely not. See, we have some ups and downs here with Peter. And this is the Peter that Jesus uses to establish the church. He spent time alone with Jesus. And you say, yeah, but he was physically with Jesus. Let's go to verse 8. Peter writes this, and I love it. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, that is what I was trying to explain earlier when you're, when you're in the Word. It's so real. I can't have you taste that the Lord is good. I can tell you how good it is. I can tell you how good it tastes, these times with God. But I can't make you. I can't take a Bible and shove it down your throat and say, taste this. It doesn't work like that. And it's something that you have to choose to do. It's something that you have to make time in your busy schedules to do. You see, you will prioritize whatever is important to you. That's how it works. If you want to watch the Colts game, you will make sure that you watch the Colts game. We prioritize whatever is of importance to us. I want to go to Luke Chapter 10, verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Highlight Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You see, we began today talking about the busyness of our lives and all these distractions that hinder our relationships. You have to choose what is important. Mary chose what was better. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. She chose to spend time. She chose to listen to Jesus. I mean, are you too busy for God? Are you too busy for God? Are you too busy to spend time each day with God? reading his word, listening to his instructions, tasting that the Lord is good. Proverbs 19, verse 27 says, Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. You see, the key to closeness with God is time. But you have to put time into it. You do. In Joshua, it says, meditate on this. Meditate on this and you will be happy and successful. All the things that you're doing, all the running around you're doing, trying to achieve things will never make you happy and successful. Only the Word of God does that. I mean, can you give God five minutes of your day? Ten minutes of your day. 
20 minutes of your day. I mean, how busy are you really that you can't fit God into your schedule? The average person spends 34 hours a week watching TV. 34 hours a week. I checked that twice because I thought that couldn't be. And it is. 34 hours a week watching TV. Too busy for God? The average person spends eight hours a week on Facebook. Too busy for God? Five hours a week surfing the web. 13 hours a week playing games. This could be crossword puzzles. This could be Angry Birds or the new favorite candy crush that everyone's addicted to. You see, we make time for whatever is important to us. So you have to answer the question, are you too busy for God? You know what? Having quiet time daily... It isn't going to make God love you anymore. It's not. It's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. If you choose to not spend time reading, if you choose to not spend time meditating on his word, he's not going to love you any less. Heck, if you decide you're tired of coming to church, he's not going to love you any less. There's nothing you can do that's going to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you any less. That's grace. His love is unconditional. But I look on things as a parent. You want your child to go to college. Get an education. You want your child to learn because you know it's proven that a college education allows you a better chance of success. Which means less struggles. Means less heartaches. You're not going to love your child any less if they don't. But you want them to be everything that they are capable of being. You know, I notice as a parent, you got girls and they hit their teenage years. Man, they don't always want to spend time alone with dad anymore. They want to be with their friends or whatever. And I get that. I do. But as a dad, I long for that relationship. Something more than I just need money. Something more than a text from the other room. That happens too. You see, I don't want the busyness of their world competing with me because I long for that relationship because I love them. That's how our Heavenly Father is. He wants to spend time with us alone, just you and Him. He longs for that relationship. You know, we always have our worship moments and we always lift God up and we glorify God at the beginning of the service. This song's kind of a little different take on that. This song is God singing to us. This is, um, this is God speaking to you. This is God wanting to let you know how much he loves you, how much he longs for a relationship, how much he longs for you to take time out and to spend time with him. So I just want you to just kind of sit back, just reflect a little bit and just have a little moment with God. Just listen to what he's saying. Listen to how he feels about you.
loving us the way you do, even when we mess up, even when we do things and that hold us back at times. God, you still love us. Even when we make decisions that aren't the best decisions, you still love us like you do. And not only that, but you long, you yearn for that relationship with us, that more than just let's see each other at church on Sunday. You long to spend time each day with us and love on us in that moment and guide us and teach us like a father teaches his kids. God, we just thank you for that. God, I just pray that each person that walks out of here today, that you've been able to speak to them, letting them know what you desire, able to kind of tattoo it inside their hearts of making time to spend that with you. Jesus' powerful name, amen. Know you're always loved in this place. There'll be a prayer team up here if you need prayer for anything. If you want to make the decision to give your life to Christ, please come up. Have an awesome week. See you next week. And if you'd like to help tear down, we would love for you to do that. If the teardown team, anybody who's going to help, meet over by the closet over there where we store the sound stuff. I never follow through I heard that true religion 
Don't give up.